feel it on the inside. Let's go, let's take it where your friends might not know. Yes, take them to the real side. I know you've been waiting for me. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Dropping Nice with Santos. And today's guest is Susan Perry. Please introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Susan Perry. I'm a funeral director and embalmer in the state of Virginia. Okay. Now, today's episode is going to be about the embalming process. See, on episode two, you were on, but we were talking about what went on in the front of the house. Right. Because I'm not going to lie to you. I wasn't aware that you did the embalming. Oh. But some, some, you were hinting a couple times on that episode. So I wanted to readdress that on another, another, on a different episode, obviously. Sure. Okay. So. What school did you attend to become an embalmer? So uh, there's very few mortuary schools, you know, in the state because it's not, there's not that many, um, not that many morticians. So here it used to be at Norfolk State University and then now it's at Tidewater Community College. So I took my mortuary science program at Tidewater Community College and um, it's taught by, you know, obviously funeral directors and stuff. It's kind of a separate program and then you have a um, 5,000, 3,000 hour apprenticeship that goes with that. So it's it's school, but a lot of it is in the funeral home is where you basically lab that. work basically. Yes. Okay. Now, is that at any TCC or a particular TCC? Just the one in Virginia Beach. Okay. The yeah. one off of, by Lansdowne. Yep. By, by the amphitheater. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now, once you get, um, you get a diploma or what do you get? So it's a, a it's an associate's degree in applied science. Okay. Do you have to maintain any type of licensing? Oh yeah, yeah. So you take the you go through the program, you do your apprenticeship at a funeral home, then you take uh, national boards through a conference. Um, so you pass those, and then you take your state boards, and then obviously then we're licensed by the Virginia Department of Health, we have to keep up with continuing education and stuff like that. So you have to, do you have to renew your license annually or like? Yes, annually. Oh, that's a pain in the ass. It is, kind of. Because that's just like, yeah, a lot of people that I have on here that come on always have to renew. Yeah. New, renew their shit all the time. A lot like, of ugh. stuff, yeah. Like, especially with funeral service, there's a lot of laws that change. So you have to be, you know, up to date on those. And then OSHA, of course. We're held to that as well, so we have to know anything new that's come about. Okay. How long have you been doing this? Um, I have been there since 2010, so almost 11 years. It'll be 11 years in June. Okay. Now, let's talk about the embalming process now. Okay. Okay. Now, when you receive, how do you address, how do you, what do you call how do you address the dead body? Do you call it a dead body? Do you call it a person? Do you call it a, um, a cadaver? What do you call it? We refer to it as the person. Okay, the person. Yeah. I, I didn't Not know. their first name. It kind of depends, you know, but usually it's their, their first and last okay, name. Okay, I didn't know the professional, if you guys kept it professional. I yeah, corpse is kind of like the, you know, so, you know, I mean, if we do, we, we may say um, this body, but usually it's by their name. Yeah, because so. usually you probably have more than one. Oh, yeah. So and you just can't say person. You're like, which one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. So it's it's usually there's once we take them into our care, we identify them, make sure that we identify them at the place where we take them into our care so that we know who they are. And that's usually with like an ankle or a wrist um, bracelet. Well, you receive it. Is it still are, do some of them come in a body bag? Yeah. Yeah. So we may pick them up at their home. 
We may pick them up at the hospital or the medical examiner's office or a you know care facility like a nursing home or something. Okay, now when you get it from the medical examiner, this was already after the fact when he cuts them open and, and tries to do the autopsy. Yeah. Right. So if an autopsy was performed, yes, and definitely they would be, um, you know, in in a body bag. But a lot of times we transfer them on cots with sheets. Okay. Yeah. So what exactly is embalming? So embalming is um, basically the preservation of a body. So when right when someone passes away, it, it immediately, all the circulation, all the blood flow stops, the oxygen stops, so it immediately starts to decompose. So what embalming does is it renders the body uninhabitable to bacteria because that's what really rampants up the decomposition. So what we do when we embalm is we make a small incision uh, right near their collarbone so we can get to an artery and a vein there. And what we're basically doing is using the circulatory system to deliver um, emollients, uh, which is kind of like moisturizing stuff, disinfectants, and dyes through the whole. I mean, there's so many, even on the surface of your skin, the, the capillaries get so small. That's the best way to distri- distribute any sort of a disinfectant. Is that the embalming fluid? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we'll we'll stick a small cannula into the artery, and we'll um, we'll take a little cut out of um, the jugular vein, and so as we start to inject the fluid into the artery, it will eventually start draining out of the vein in the same small spot. Okay. So it just kind of pushes out the blood and puts in the new fluid and that fluid has dyes and different things in it as an embalmer you know we studied a lot of um, chemistry so if somebody had jaundice we would alter the fluid contents you know of of different things that would be in that Um, if they're um, have edema then we alter it a little bit so we alter it to each person and then um, because the blood as soon as you die the dyes are more for cosmetics obviously but as soon as you die all the blood escapes from the surface of the skin and kind of goes gravity kind of takes it where it wants to go so if you're on your back all your all your blood is kind of going towards the back there so you don't have any color like you lose all of your color so this dye eventually infuses the skin so we're looking for a lifelike appearance um, but also disinfection and and slowing down the decomposition process okay what made you want to get into this line of work so um, I, I, I loved art and I love science, which is kind of two different things. But um, my, my dad was an oral surgeon, and so I worked with him for a long time. And all we did all the time was basically take out a teenager's wisdom teeth, right? So the patients were either up or were moving them around and all this stuff. And, and looking at him, of course, I didn't want to go to 12 years of school, but I also would, didn't want to deal with insurance companies and stuff like that. So I thought, wow, wouldn't it be nice? The patients were quiet. I can just go in, do my thing, you know, and it would just be, uh, I was more looking at it in the embalming point of view, you know, just go in there. It's quiet. You help people and, and that's it. Um, so that's how I got into it. But, um, but it just turned out to be so much more, you know, than, than just the embalming process. How long can you keep a body without embalming it? Well, so you never have to embalm a body. Um, there's some, like, there's some... So there's no law that says you need no to embalm. Law. Okay. Exactly. Um, there are 
Most funeral homes and OSHA, if you're going to have a public visitation, will require embalming. You know, if you're going to have people come in and look. And, and your loved one would probably prefer that they were as well if they, a bunch of people are going to look at them. Mm-hmm. But um, but you don't need to, to, you know, view your loved one privately and, and have to have them embalmed. So it's really... A, who has the right to decide um, to embalm the body? The family. Okay. Yeah. If we, if a funeral home just embalms just for the heck of it, it's against the law. Like we need permission to embalm each time. Um, are there certain religions that are against it? Yep. So um, the Jewish religion is against it. Um, Muslims. Um, and why? Do you know why? Yes. So um, for for Jewish people, they believe that everything should stay with the body, that nothing, nothing goes. In fact, you know, and if if they have soiled clothing that has a lot of blood on it, that goes with that person's body. So you you keep that with them at all times. I've had um, diabetic patients that have lost a leg that may not last for a long time and have us keep their leg in the refrigeration unit to be with them when they pass eventually. So they believe in everything natural. Um, Muslims are the same way. Okay. So therefore I'm assuming that if you're a Muslim or if you're Jewish, they, um, they aren't, um, they don't donate, um, donors body for the body parts. They're not donors. It kind of depends on the, the congregation and, um, which particular branch of Judaism or, um, are, are Muslim they are, but, um, you know, it kind of just depends on, on their beliefs for sure. Catholics are the same way, but they, they believe in, um, you know, organ donation. Many of them do. How long does the process take? It takes from start to finish, um, it takes about maybe an hour and a half to two hours for the actual embalming itself with just the chemicals and the bathing. And then there's another maybe hour or more, depending on um, the decedent, for dressing, casketing, doing their hair and, and makeup and things like that. Does the Okay, this might be a stupid question. Does the um, blood drain faster or does it drain the same if a body is well fit or obese? Um, I don't think that's much of a difference with the obesity. It's certainly harder to embalm somebody that's more obese just because it's harder to find vessels to, to move. I mean, it's, um, and it's, it's a problem in America, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's, we have a lot of equipment. I'm small, but I mean, we have some really big guys, but I mean, you get very, very large people, but, um, but you can tell a difference if somebody's on a blood thinner, for instance, or, um, you know, it depends clots or, you know, something that we have to deal with and look at on a regular basis. Okay. So with the body, so then after you drain the blood, you sew the mouth shut Depends. So it depends. We don't actually like sew the lips or anything. Um, there's there's a thing where we can put a wire on the upper tooth and the lower tooth, and then we shut the jaw and then twist the wire together so it stays like that. There's some crazy ways that they can do it with ligature, like going up through the nose, down through the bottom of the chin, and back up and tying it, but I just prefer the wire method. Now, do you ever had any issues about the eyes? 
Um, there are issues with, um, with if it's in a more severe state, you know, they get sunken in a little bit. The vitreous fluid in your eye will start to drain a little bit, um, you know, or, you know, lose its volume. Um, or if it, they're um, an organ donor, a lot of times when you're an organ donor, People do it at the DMV. They're like, oh, I'm going to gonna give my heart to a, you know, whatever. That's very rare. You have to be brain dead in a car accident or something still alive, basically, to be able to donate any of those major organs. Because as soon as you die, they're not viable anymore to transfer to another mm-hmm. body. So when you, if you are an organ donor and you pass away like most normal people do, then, um, then you're only donating eyes, bone, and skin. So if they take the eyes, then we have to get something to replace the actual ball of the eye so that it looks like there's Jeez. an eyeball under there. Jesus Louise, man. <laughs> okay, what else do you do for the body? Do you cut the toenails or fingernails? Yeah. And like, uh, I know you told me that... Um, I don't get way into the toenails, like especially if they're going to wear... Because, uh, if you're going to wear okay. shoes, <laughs> yeah, what's the then, point? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So anything that's visible, like say if it's a woman and they wanted her in her flip-flops, and then of course, yeah. you know, and and you still wash and everything, but if, um, yeah, I don't get into toe, toenail detail unless... Now, when you cut the fingernails, the hands are do you important. also, uh, would you also put, like, paint the tone, paint the fingernails? Yeah, well, if it's a woman, or is that upon request? If it's a woman, if it's a if it's a man, um, we'll we'll clean them and buff them a little bit, you know, not with a shiny, mm-hmm. but just to make sure that they're kind of smooth, mm-hmm. just because people can see it. So last time, you know, their family or friends are going to see their nails, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now I remember you um you saying last time on episode two, you're saying how older people come to the funeral home and hang out with you. Yeah. At the smaller one, when I managed the smaller one at the oceanfront, it was just like people are riding by on their bikes. You get older folks that come in to pre-plan, you know, or they'll meet you at a, at a service. And it was just like they knew I was there, probably listened to Frank Sinatra or something, and they love that. And they just come in, and there's always coffee on, and they come and hang out. That's so it's weird. That's I know. Very but depressing lonely. and sad. They're lonely. Yeah. They're I know. Lonely. You told me like, we, what did you say? This um, that a woman said, "Hey, when I die, make sure you uh, trim my mustache or oh, pick yeah. my chin or something." Oh yeah. And my parents' friends, they'll be like, "I want to be in my red suit. Don't let don't don't let them put me in the, the yellow one or whatever." You get people all kinds of requests. You know. On average, how many bodies do you embalm per day? Well, me, I don't now. Now I'm more on the business side, so I hardly, rarely embalm anymore. Okay. Um, they, I would say now that the cremation is rising, it's probably about two or three a day for our um, our locations here in the area. Okay, talking about that, do you embalm a body that's going to be cremated? Sometimes, if there's going to be a public viewing, or if the, the family would like to say goodbye and they'd like to have that done, or if the person was, you know, in an accident, we did restorative work, which takes much longer, you know, but they would want to say a nice goodbye to them, then yeah, for sure. Okay. Do you know if the body makes noise or sit up while it's being cremated? They do not. They do not sit up. I've never ever, and there's so many people, and you'll get like these old people like that say that they've been working for the funeral home for years that aren't actually directors and say people have sat up and things. They don't do that. Rigor mortis may happen. There may be noises because air is trapped, 
you know, I mean, we make noises when we sleep and, you know, I mean, they may have had air in their lungs or elsewhere at the time of death that, that finds its way out, but it's, um, it's nothing like nothing crazy like that. So from start to finish, how long does the volume process take? Like 30 minutes or how long? Um, so it's about like an hour, hour and a half or so. For the actual, all the chemicals and the, you know, if it's an autopsy, it'll probably take around two just because there's a lot more sewing that has to be done. Stitching. <laughs> My dog's going crazy with yeah. that talk, Dwayne. <laughs> okay, what's the, what's, do you know, like, what's the, like, the normal average cost of uh, embalming? Embalming? Usually, I would say it probably ranges between uh, six to twelve hundred dollars, depending on where where you are in the country. Um, but it is, you know, I mean, it it definitely costs. I was thinking about that too. Um, you know, it does cost money, but so. And I was thinking about like my dad with wisdom teeth. I mean, we used to charge like back in the late nineties, like four to six hundred dollars a tooth, and that's just one small thing but yeah it's around it's around six to twelve hundred dollars i would say okay now after the embalming process how long does it last now that i can't say you can never say that lasts forever there's a um if you google it there's a russian girl who passed away and it was like that embalmers like what do you call that like their masterpiece or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's still on display and so i think stalin is still on display um or, yeah, I'm not quite sure. But anyway, in Russia, they've got a few that have been around for the longest time with air-controlled stuff. But, um, you know, people do. It does hasten it quite significantly. But ultimately, they will be skeletons one day, you know. Okay. Now I'm going to get a little dark. Okay. All right? So how do people initially um, react when you tell them about your line of work? So... It depends. It depends on the person. So if they were like me before I am did what I did, I would be all into it. Like they're real curious. They want to know absolutely everything. Um, other times they're just totally freaked out and they, they don't want to talk or whatever. So it's always weird at a party or like when you're meeting somebody new and everybody always asks what they do. It's kind of just depends. And if I'm in public, like on a plane or something, say, it's much easier just to say that I work in administration or something so we don't have to get into, you know, the whole thing. You don't always want to talk about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, does this affect the way you view death? Yes. And how? Um, well, well, it affects how I view life. I'm not necessarily, I'm not scared of death at all. You know, I would worry about my children and my loved ones, you know, and hope that they would be okay, but I'm not scared. Um, they do say that, most um, most near death experience accounts say that it's it's a you know overwhelming feeling of love and light and peace and a lot of them different languages people never talk often have the same experience of this light and and this feeling of love and peace and then often they're seeing loved ones you know next to a tree on the other side I mean unbelievably cool stuff. And, and either that or it's just black. So I don't know. But either way, I'm fine with it. But, um, but life, it's caused me to not think of the little things and the drama and stuff like that as, are as important. With my children, I raise them differently. If my 13-year-old says the F word, 
that's all right. You know, I'll say it right back with them. You know, it's not a big deal. Like there's so many things and everything is so temporary. And I know that and I get reminded of all the time. So it's, it's a, just the way, a different way of living, I guess. Well, if someone's asking that looks, that seems to be really interested. Mm-hmm. Um, do you offer like, well, come, come to work with me one day and, and, and watch? Um, well, so they, I, I offer that all the time. They can't come actually in that, or I can maybe sometimes show like part of the prep room, but, um, never would I bring somebody in to, you know, what we call the, the prep room that's not licensed or shouldn't be there. Well, it's not a student. Right. Exactly. Because it's people's moms and and, loved ones. So you always... We're always so careful. It's it's such a it's such a cool business because it's everybody treats these people like they would want themselves to be treated. Now, where all in the body do you do you puncture? Now, you say the one by the collarbone. Do you mm-hmm. also puncture one like on the upper thigh? Because there's the the vein down there is really no no no. It's big. The femoral the, yeah. the femoral artery down there is big, and sometimes if for some reason the circulatory system is compromised, like with autopsy or um, an accident or something like that, then we have to inject in multiple points. So we would we would make you gotta break it down. This is what you hear. Break it well, down. Well, get, get gory. In man. ideal <laughs> in an ideal world, it's the one incision. But if it's in an autopsy or if it's an accident or something like that, then we have to do it. Either topically, so you just do the surface. So there's surface gels and stuff that you can embalm with. It's just basically chemicals. Um, after we do run the chemicals through and everything is fine, we do have to go back in with a, a small incision um, in the stomach area to remove uh, stomach contents. Um, uh, the, are bladder. any organs taken out? No. In autopsy, yes. Because the medical examiner will have them, um, you know, removed and weighed. And, and do they like um, empty the stomach or intestines or anything? No. So when we get it back, it's still there. So with those, we embalm topically and then replace them back and then stitch everything back up. Wow. Okay. Now, this is a question that my wife wants to ask. Wanted okay. me to ask. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, Ruby. All right. Now. <laughs> Once you pass away and after the embalming, is there a, what did she, well, I guess that's the word, a butt plug? Do you, so nothing leaks out of the butthole? There is. So what do you mean mention this, man? Come on. Not, we everybody, the, the not everybody uses it, um, but I will tell you. So when I was an apprentice and the guys had gone out to lunch, it was the first time I ever had to use one, right? And so... I had never used one before, like in life or on the on the table. I hope you never have table. to use a butt plug. Right. <laughs> so, like, I'm just you know. So, but I but I thought I would go ahead and do it. And it's only if contents just keeps coming out, you know. So, um, so this is also the same as the vagina. What do you mean? Well, no, 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 no. So you only do that stuff if it's necessary. If okay. there's something that's. But it's not mandatory protocol. No, not everybody. It's only if shit won't stop I mean, leaking. Exactly. Okay. I mean, if you, if anybody thought that you would just, everybody that's dead in the world had a butt plug right now. I mean, that would be awful. We'd all be haunted. But, um, but in this case, it was my first one and it, it was, you know, I'd never had to use one before. In school, we didn't learn it. In my apprenticeship, it never came up. It's that rare. 
but I did have to use it. And it what was, is it like cotton? What is no, it? No, no, no. It's like a, it's like a, um, like like a. It had some threading, almost like a screw, and it's like you know. How thick is it? It's like <laughs> how how long is it? So it was like a, a size of a penis. Yeah. <laughs> so they stick like a, a metal dildo up your butthole. Yeah. It's just a plug. It's so bad. It was so bad. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my there God. are. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of trip tips and tricks and different things that we have to do. You know, to to make to make it a pleasant experience. For, for the who? family, for the family, okay. for them to say goodbye, they would never know. Yeah, my you know, pleasure that experience that was happening, and it's better that you know he didn't smell like shit. But it, you yeah. know, it's uh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff, and you know, and nakedness, and you know, all that stuff. Like you know, the is there a night shift used to it? Yes, yes. So there's people manning funeral home phones twenty four seven. Usually, it's somebody on call. Um, and then um, they would take care of the embalming if they got permission, which is rare. Um, usually, it's just coordinating a transfer in the middle of the night. Okay, so so you do embalm during the nighttime? If yeah, yeah. If we had if permission, you have, have you? No. Uh-uh. No. Have you ever been there like alone and, and ever oh, heard yeah. some creepy shit? No, I haven't. You get kind of scared, you know, just for a second. You know, you know, like that feeling when you're like sitting here and all of a sudden you realize that we're like on this ball in the middle of like nothing with a bunch of stars you know you get like that feeling like that same feeling you're like oh my gosh like i'm in here with like 10 dead bodies you there's know? never ever been any <laughs> cadaver spasms or anything no no never I seen mean, a dead body move never seen a dead body they they get uh rigor so they get rigor mortis so about I guess it's maybe an hour or two after the lactic acid builds up in their muscles because it's not circulating anymore and everything gets real stiff. And that even the penis? Penis does not. But I have. Why is that? Because penis is blood. So, so the penis. Uh, it's, okay, there's no blood flowing. Right, okay. right, exactly. But rigor mortis don't go to the penis. No. No, and I haven't really like look, look, like you know. <laughs> it's, like, one. <laughs> it's like I've seen so many at this point. It's just like, yep, there's the junk. Like that's just okay. okay. Holy yeah. moly! Have yeah. you ever seen like a, a at any time like a body that you thought was like really just disgusting, or how like a brutal murder or anything oh, I've like seen that? So many, yeah. I mean, so many. Any of them kind of really make you sad? Like, oh my god, poor, poor lady. Oh or poor, yeah, poor almost dude. every. Well, almost every single accident or or really tough one for sure. I mean, I've seen a lot of tough stuff. You know, you could imagine. Does it, any a part of this um work like haunt your dreams? You take this home with you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Do you yeah. feel like? Like I yeah I mean it's you see the worst. I mean, you see that I've seen the human body cut up or damaged in every single way possible. And and the worst part is, is that you meet their family, you know, yeah. and you talk to them. And and a lot of times they don't they don't know what it looks like on the other side or. Do you know of any case you could be particular with that actually really shook you up? Yeah. Um, but they probably, you know, a lot of them are, were high profile or public, you know, like, yeah, don't name names. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to yeah. Name names, I'm no, I mean, just different, um, diff- different, you know, horrible accidents, the people that were, you know, young parents and, um, you know, and kids, of course, I mean, a lot of accidents with, with kids and well, what happened if someone's heads cut off, where would you go then for the drain? 
Uh, but the cadaver still... It would still be, we would be looking for their um, axial arteries in, near the armpits and the okay. femorals and then um, help try to try to find a vessel, a way to get into the head. But um, at that point, they may have been um, autopsied. So in that case, they would they take, you know, um, part of the skull and they've already done a lot of the, you know, stuff. So it's easy to get to the inside of the head. But yeah, I've seen some... I could Same imagine. some things. Holy moly. All right. Anything else you'd like to talk about? That's and you can you can get gory on, on this podcast. Uh I know, I know. I'm just trying to think of um anything that maybe maybe the history, just just briefly, like really, really quick. So it started in um in Egypt, right, with the mummification because mm-hmm. they believed that the body was gonna everything was going with them. So they thought everything went across the river of sticks and everything went even though their organs were put in those little yeah because they wanted to preserve them so Mm -hmm. that's kind of where it started and then from there in europe um the people the scientists were interested in anatomy but they couldn't study the human body unless they figured out a way to stop the decomposition they didn't know about bacteria then they just knew that stuff fell apart so they didn't really refrigerate too much they were just really trying to preserve it they started with plastics and well really things. refrigerating really didn't start to win mid-1800s anyway yeah right? yeah and so. they didn't quite know that they didn't quite correlate that that's what would slow it down, but that's all that they had. So they started kind of the the thought process of how we embalm today. And then there was an army surgeon. I think his name, I want to say it was John Holmes. But I'm not quite sure. In the Civil War. And, um, and he had learned about embalming from studying medicine, but also brought it to Lincoln, who decided that we were going to embalm all the soldiers because they were far away and they needed to be shipped back home and their family wanted to say goodbye. So that's kind of how it started. And then so embalming was started to become a regular thing. And then chemical companies got in on it and then they started teaching people. And that's kind of how the, the body went from the home in the in their own parlors to the funeral parlor. So hmm. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And funeral directors were furniture makers and they just made the caskets, but they ended up becoming um, getting into science and embalming when the uh, chemical companies that were no longer manufacturing for the government wanted to take it. Even though it was more work for them to do, obviously they would charge more, more for their work. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's the kind of business that's never going to go out of business. Maybe. Yeah. I don't see anyone stop. No one's going to stop dying. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, so is cremation this- is will always be a thing, I think. And there's even liquid cremation now where you can be, like, liquefied and hydrolysis. What? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? You put the body, and I don't know all of it now because it's not legal here yet, but you can, it, it cremates them in a liquid and that's it. And then they take whatever's left and then they give it to the family. I don't know. It's in a liquid. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do, do it. So, you know, you never heard of anything like when the, which they, um, someone was dying and they freeze the body and then they could like for the future. Yeah. And then some, I think it's just that? the head. It's a cryo, cryogenics or something like that. But yeah, they did. Walt Disney seriously did that. And then there's, um, they're, they're now they're mulching people out in Oregon. What does that mean? They're actually mulching them, like turning them into mulch. Jesus. What the f- it's so messed up. Like, well, like know. they're basically like fertilizer? Yes. 
Yes. I mean, this. I mean, I mean, really think about it. At least you're getting use out of it, right? But just get buried in like a natural cemetery. You don't have to get all you know, like mulchy. Yeah, you know, turn me into mulch. <laughs> you can grow this apple tree Ooh. or something, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. So some people does are it really cost more? It. Is it does it is that pr- provide good more. soil? <laughs> Probably is it? I'm saying Probably, but I mean, that's the thing. Is like, what's the disposition? It's not burial. It's not ashes. So then, like, when does the body become? It's final disposition. Like right now it's cremation or burial. But like what is when it's mulch or when it's like all cut up to be ready to get to be mulch? Is it like when it's on in somebody's flower bed and God forbid you move. I mean, what are you going to do? Well, my question is, what is the mulching process? Like, I don't they're saying like, they throw you through a wood chipper? Yeah, something like, seriously, something like that. And then they mix you with, like, enzymes and stuff to, like, and then they store them and they turn them around and they're kept in these, like, little weird pods. Oh, what the Who is that fuck? movie with all the people pods? I don't know. But anyway, it's just crazy. That's banana. I never yeah, heard so anything embalming, like that. People still think, I mean, people are starting to believe that embalming itself and saying goodbye to somebody in a casket is real old school. And um, and so with that, you know, I mean, who knows how long embalmers will be, you know, a thing. I mean, in Virginia, you have to be duly licensed. So I'm a funeral director and an embalmer. But in North Carolina, you're either a funeral director or an embalmer, or you can be both. You can go through both of the schooling. So, yeah. Huh. Okay. So now we're at the end of the podcast. Okay. Okay. Now, I remember episode two. You said you had one haunting experience. I did. With the guy with the egg salad sandwich. Okay. Now, is there any other haunting you could think of that you had? There's nothing. I mean, I, I don't think so. I, I am open to that and, um, I wouldn't call it haunting, but there's, there's times where I feel like somebody has sent me a sign to do something, Mm -hmm. you know, in particular, especially if they see me taking care of their family or if there's something that I can do that would help them because I mean, gosh, you have anything in it, like an, an example, um, trying to think of something particular and it's kind of, I can't really think of anything where I'm like, Oh yes, this is it. It's just little things. And they used to be all the time. So you're always around like in the embalming room. No, no, there's no noises, nothing creepy that like, yo, what was that kind of a thing? Huh? No. Only in the movies. Only I mean, these are, yeah, I mean, I think I, I, it's not that I, I, I do believe that there is that. I believe that there's something obviously around us that we can't see, but I think it's only, you know, we humans are so scared of death that we've made a body or death, uh, something that's so taboo, you know, that, that we've made it that way. But if they haunt us, they wouldn't be looking at little old me, you know, with Led Zeppelin in my earbud, you know, trying to make them look nice. They're going after that neighbor whose dog shit in their yard for, you know, yeah. 20 years. Okay, one more question. Okay. Well, a couple more, actually. Okay, now, in your line of work, are you involved in some type of group or a forum that, you, uh, that other embalmers oh, talk yeah. with each other? Yeah, okay. lots. Now, have you had, have they told you anything any experiences like has anyone ever said like they thought when they when someone came in there in a body bag but next thing you know they're actually not dead they were alive or anything like that had he popped up like what's going on or anything like that 
Any creepy stories? There was a story not too long ago about a man that was picked up at a hospital in West Virginia that um, that they thought was dead, and then he was not. And um, so he didn't get to the funeral home exactly. He was waiting for the organ life net, the organ donation people, to, like, check him out. And um, boom, like, he was alive. He had no he, pulse or what? So they declared him dead, but then when they went to, like, double dog sure that he was he was breathing or something and so they put him back on he lived like another like three or four months still on life support but i mean that happens i what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna round up some of these people yeah because like so did they tell you any have any of them told you uh a paranormal story Yes, there's one. And bring, it, bring it, bring it, tell us. Well, no, I mean, I, this is not my story to tell, but I'll, what I'm saying is maybe you can talk with him and. All right, I'll try, but. Because I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's real and what's bullshit. No, and I you, wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, like say, you know, who knows? I'm sure, especially these old school guys, you know, they have stories and stuff like okay. that. All right. One more thing. Okay. Now we're at the end of the podcast. Yes. Okay. Now, is there any more wisdom that you can drop for someone that wants to get into your line of work? Yes. Bring it. Okay. So drop it. All right. So you're gonna want to um, you're gonna want to look into the mortuary science program where you live. Find out where um, your mortuary school is. You can even begin taking classes online, and then you're gonna want to start working maybe part time at a funeral home, either driving the hearse, washing cars. Um, like I did, opening the doors at services. Um, so you're going to get in there part-time and work your butt off until you get that certified apprenticeship. And um, and then be prepared for a lot of late nights and being on call and stress stressing out. But um, it's worth it if, if that's what you... Um, yeah. is that, being that's around what you a lot of dead do. people? Yeah. I mean, if that's your calling, a lot of people feel like it's their calling. Um, what, it's worth you know it. what I find? I don't find that being creepy. What mm-hmm. I find creepy is dealing with the dead, with the, the bodies, with the older people coming in there knowing they're going to die. Hey, yeah. make sure you do this for me. That to me is creepier than dealing oh, with the dead person. No, to be honest we with you. love it because if somebody comes in, they're like, "This is what I want. This is what suit I want to wear. This is blah blah blah." When they die, we go in a drawer. Boop, there it all is. If they don't... They mean in a drawer is all written down, documented? Yeah, yeah, in their okay. file. So there wouldn't be like a son or, or a daughter saying, no, he didn't want that. And then you say, oh, yes, he did. It's documented right here. Right. Okay. And it's still up to them, but at least we have written down what they wanted. It's so bad to sit across from a family, and especially like these kids and their parents didn't tell them what they wanted. They have no idea. They have no idea whether to choose burial or cremation. They're crying. They don't know how they're going to pay for it. I mean, I couldn't afford my dad's funeral, I don't think, right now. If he passed away, just off the cuff, you know, here you go. Um, And it's so sad. They don't know if they want to be buried, where they want to be buried. Do they want to be buried with their parents somewhere else? I mean, it really adds to the grief when there's no preparation. Do you know of any any people... Okay, now you're done dropping wisdom, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, I have one more question. Okay. Do you know of anybody that actually wanted their body to be donated to science? Yep. And obviously that would be a cheaper funeral. Yeah, so the the anatomical societies 
Um, in different places, they actually will pay for the cremation. They'll pay for the transfer to the funeral home. Um, sometimes they don't get the ashes back. Sometimes they do, depending on which place it is. And then, of course, there's the body farm where you can, you know, apply to go in and just be your body's like either have you ever heard about the body farm no that sounds like this is the matrix or something. yeah so it's a it's a farm and and they i think they actually have two one up north and one down south where forensics actually studies the bo- decomposing bodies in different temperatures different scenarios so that they can better what do you mean that they leave crime. you in the, in the forest for a couple yeah of- so there's like bodies that are left in the forest in the water um and you know the body decomposes um more out in the open air and in the heat than it does you know underground okay well that's more wisdom because then if you have someone that knows that they're they don't have a lot of money can anybody just donate their body or do they have to have some type of uh they have to meet criteria so they, body uh, to, uh, an issue with their health or anything no no so like the healthier the better in their case but um sometimes like the body farm they don't have a lot of requirements because that can help their research but um some of the ones that will take the bodies for research um, or for teaching hospitals and things like that um, they do have specific criteria. You can't be a certain way. You can't, um, you know, have your bodies have been, you know, it couldn't have been gone through a whole lot health-wise where you've had multiple transplants or anything weird that might alter what these people are studying. But um, there's this um, university, and it's Case Western, will sometimes take a, just a brain um, to study Alzheimer's or um, Crutchfield-Jakob disease, which is very like a it's a brain eating almost like a human mad cow disease, very um, very detrimental to the people. But um, and even though they take the brain, everything is still free, and they cremate and give the and give the cremation of the ashes back to the family. For depends free. on with Case Western, it just depends. But um, the Virginia Anatomical Society, there's one up in Maryland, and I forget the name of it now. But a lot of those places will will take a body, and it's free. So there's no. Um, there's often they want it on ice and then they want to take it. So there's not a whole lot of the body being present in any sort of ceremony. And then you may or may not get your ashes back. Okay, well, that's a, that's another, um, another, uh, angle for people to uh, look at things that for they can't sure. afford it. I could donate my body. Yeah. That was, that's pretty, that's, a, that's, that's, well, that's a, another consideration for them to think of. Sure. Anything else you'd like to talk about? I don't think so. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed uh, the wisdom that Susan dropped on this podcast, on this episode. I'm on Amazon Music, Google Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Instagram, and Facebook. Please follow, rate, and subscribe. I'll talk to you guys next time.